Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. A science story, huh? These NYU scientists, they... I felt... I felt... I felt... I felt... I was so And I just thought, well... I figured it out. It was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. This week's story is from Erica Engelhaupt. It was recorded in October 2015 at Oberon in Cambridge, Massachusetts, as part of the Science Writers 2015 meeting. In the late 90s, I lived in New Orleans, and I was flying into New Orleans one day, almost home, when one of the engines went out in the airplane. It feels like someone has pulled the floor out from under you. We just dropped what felt like 50 feet in a second, and the plane just started pitching and wobbling, and right at the same moment, everyone started to cry. I was sitting in the front of the plane by myself, and I thought, this is it. We were over Lake Pontchartrain, and it looked like the ocean. And I thought, we're going down, and I'm going to die in that lake. It was a really small plane, one of those twin turboprops with the propellers on each wing. And this was before 9-11, before there were like those reinforced cockpit doors to keep people from getting in. So there was just this stiff curtain between me and the cockpit. And I could hear through that stiff curtain a computerized voice telling the pilot over and over again, pull up, pull up, pull up. And we're all just sitting there going... For the love of God, man. (laughs) Pull up. But the plane was definitely heading down. And it felt like an hour, but it was was probably really actually just a few minutes before we got to the New Orleans airport. And the pilot came on over the intercom and he said, the only thing that I actually remember him saying during this whole thing, brace for landing. Brace. Brace. No one ever actually tells you how to brace. So I just kind of threw my hands up over my head, and we landed really hard, but alive. And we kind of skid to a stop, and I'm the first one down the stairs, and I drop straight to my knees, and I kiss the tarmac. And I look up, literally, I look up from the ground, and I have an audience there are all these people that have rushed to the windows in the airport to watch this plane as it lurched in to see if it was going to crash. 
And I swore on that day that I was never going to fly again. And I kept my promise in large part for a number of years. I didn't fly very much. I drove whenever I could. I drove to Houston. I drove to Alabama to see my parents. And when I did have to fly, especially if it was on a small plane, I would get really anxious. I would toss and turn the night before. And my husband got used to me being basically just this totally anxious, paranoid bitch before getting on a flight. So this presented a dilemma when I became a science reporter and I got my first big reporting break. I worked for this little publication that most of you might not have even heard of before. It was called Environmental Science and Technology. And I covered climate change and I applied for um, a spot as a reporter on a research trip to the Arctic. And the National Science Foundation picked a TV crew from ABC News, a reporter from NPR, and me from Environmental Science and Technology. So I was really excited, but there was this one problem that I had to fly from Washington, D.C. to a ship in the middle of the Bering Sea <laughs> off the coast of Alaska. But I had to do it. So I got on the plane and I flew from D.C. to Seattle, and then Seattle to Anchorage, and then Anchorage to Nome, and the planes are getting smaller and smaller. And you get to Nome, and the airport's just this little room next to um, an airstrip. And our plane pulls up, and lo and behold, it's a little twin turboprop with the propellers on each wing. And this guy gets out of the plane, and he's like this total grizzled Alaska guy with like the big bushy beard. And he's wearing nothing but this uh, ripped yellow t-shirt and some ratty old jeans. And I go out there and I look down and I'm wearing this like fully decked out in all my like brand new Arctic gear that I bought for the trip, like big red puffy jacket, like five layers of stuff. And I look down and I realize I'm like, I, I really look like a tool. <laughs> and the guy's taking people's bags and throwing them into the cargo hold. He throws my bag on. And then I just freeze, and I'm standing there staring at the plane, and I, I just, I really don't want to get on. And the Alaska guy looks at me, and he's like, so lady, you going to get on or what? So I get on the plane, and I turn right to go sit down, and T-shirt guy gets on behind me, and he turns left, and he sits down in the pilot seat and straps himself in. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like... This guy just stepped out of like some Alaska reality show and he's flying my plane. But all the ABC News guys were already on the plane and they're already like joking around and they're real cool and I just wanted to be one of the real reporters so badly. So I just tried to play it cool and I hoped that no one could tell that I was totally terrified the whole time and just felt like a total fraud with my big puffy red jacket and a borrowed microphone that I didn't actually know how to use. We got to St. Lawrence Island, and we get there, and we're not done yet. We still have one more flight. A helicopter comes from the ship, actually, to St. Lawrence Island to pick us up and fly us to this icebreaker that's in the middle of the Bering Sea. The helicopter comes, and 
before you even get on the helicopter, you have to put on this special suit because they tell you if the helicopter were to crash into this frozen water, you would only survive for a few minutes. The special suit, I think, gets you like half an hour or something like that. <laughs> so it's totally comforting. So, so I, I get on the helicopter, and there's a Coast Guard pilot flying it. He seems like he knows what he's doing. Um, and he, we take off, and he's pointing out over the horizon, and he says, you can see Russia from here. <laughs> and we all laughed at Sarah Palin, and I, you know, I felt a little bit better about it all. And then we're approaching the ship, and the sun is setting over the ice and washing across it. And it's just so beautiful and so strange. And we start looking for walruses, and I just totally forgot to be afraid. So we land on the ship, and I spend the next few days with scientists, and I was first in line to get back on the helicopter to go look for these birds they're studying. They're called spectacled eiders, and they're like ducks. And we would fly out over the water, over the ice, and anytime there was a little crack of blue water, it would be filled with just tens of thousands of these birds. And scientists think that they actually keep the cracks in the, in the ice open just with their body heat, just by staying together. They're amazing. So think of that if you ever buy an eiderdown pillow, because that's what those are made out of. It was just this magical experience. But pretty soon it was time to turn around and do the whole trip in reverse. So back on the helicopter to St. Lawrence Island, and then the little plane back to Nome. And then... A night in Nome, where there's not much really to do but drink, and as a consequence, the sidewalks are paved in, paved in frozen vomit. So I was really ready to get home. I get to, the, uh, get to Anchorage, finally, go to the airport early to get on my red eye. And as I'm walking up to the ticket counter, these two other guys are walking the other way, and one of them says to the other, what did he mean the volcano erupted? What does that mean? And the other guy says, he means the volcano erupted, and we got to get out of here. And I walk up to the ticket counter, and the gate agent tells me that, yeah, um, Mount Readout has erupted. And my plane has been turned back to Seattle because an ash cloud is approaching, and a plane can't fly through that, or the engines can go out. So the thought in my head at this point is, holy crap, run. But somehow the words come out of my mouth, could I get an earlier flight? He said, I think there might be one more getting out before the ash cloud gets here. <laughs> so I go stand in the security line, and I'm just kind of standing there, like staring at my feet, thinking, what am I doing? And I hear a voice say, you ready? And I thought, sure, I'm about as ready as I'm ever going to be to get on a plane that's being chased by a giant cloud of toxic ash that can crash the plane. But I got on, and I sit down next to this guy, and he introduces himself to me. Hello, I'm the world's leading expert on torture. <laughs> and those were his exact words. I wrote them down right away. Hello, I'm the world's leading expert on torture. And I thought, oh, good, I've got a story for you. 
And so I made him sit and listen to my entire story of my flights and how I was getting over my fear of flying. And he said that he had been afraid of flying when he was in his 30s, too. So I asked him how he got over it. He said, Xanax. (laughs) Thank you. That was Erica Engelhaupt. Erica is the online science editor at National Geographic. Erica's work has appeared in Science News, the Philadelphia Inquirer, on National Public Radio, and in many other newspapers and magazines. Before becoming a writer, she had lots of adventures in biogeochemistry, many of which involved wearing hip waders in Louisiana swamps. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, Ari Daniel, Christine Gentry, Skylar Bear, and Liz Neely. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Initial help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Oberon for hosting the show, to Wade Roosh and everyone at NASW and CASW for being amazing partners, and to every plane I've ever been in for not crashing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.